Well, moms, today is your day. It's a day to say thank you for loving us, caring for us, and guiding us. It's a day to recognize all you do and all you are to us, your perfect, wonderful, amazing children. Thanks for all the early mornings and for taking care of the things we take for granted. Thanks for never giving up on us, even when we stress you out. Thanks for making sure we have what we need and for giving us your heart even when you're sick and tired. Thanks for working hard even when we're a handful and for loving us unconditionally when our attitude is anything but lovable. You're our everything, Mom, and we'd be a mess without you. Today, we thank God for the wonderful gift of you. Happy Mother's Day. That's awesome. Well, I want to welcome uh, all of our campuses joining with us. Would everyone please stand with me as we recite the Apostles' Creed together? This is our statement of faith and what we believe here at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Well, at this point in our service is when we take our tithes and our offerings. And uh, so we still aren't handing out the offering plates across. Uh, we uh, do just pause at this moment to let you know about the other ways of giving. Uh, digitally, we have, of course, you can go online and you can click on Give There. Uh, you can get our Celebration Church app. You can give through there. And then you also have uh, my father's favorite, the text to give. Uh, he's got a real love-hate relationship, apparently, with his text to give. Uh, and if you guys were here last week, he talked about how he wasn't reading the text all the way through, and it had a click here to confirm, and he forgot that and found out he hadn't uh, tithed in a few months. Uh, so <laughs> he, yeah, he had wrote one really big tithe check <laughs> to catch back up. I don't know if he was thinking, man, the Lord's really blessed me with this tithe thing. It seems like I've got more money than I was expecting to have. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Uh, so we do have the text to give option as well that you can see there on your screen, and you can uh, text your gift in there. And then if you do have uh, checks, you prefer to give checks, of course, you can always mail those in. Uh, but we will, uh, as you leave your campus this morning, you do have a place to uh, drop that with the ushers as you head on out there. Cool. All right. Well, this morning, uh, since it is Mother's Day, we figured what better than to put moms to work. We <laughs> it was kind of a, our internal joke. We do. We, we, uh, 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 Becky Schomer is going to come and uh, bring the message to us this morning. And it, it was hilarious because, you know, at first you think, awesome, moms would want to hear from a mom on Mother's Day. What a cool little thing. And then 
my dad realized, like, wait, I'm putting a mom to work on Mother's Day. Like, he had to, like, you know, check with the spirit there on that. And then, too, I get here uh, 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 here at our, our Green Bay campus is where we broadcast everything out of. And our video director, she's been on maternity leave. And, of course, this is the one Sunday she's back. So I'm walking around just seeing all these moms running things around here. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Lord, forgive us. We do love these uh, moms that we have around. But would you guys please put together uh, hands and just welcome up this morning Becky Schomer. goodness. All right. Well, let me start out by saying I'm not a crier. Anybody who knows me knows that I'm not a crier. So that last song, God is so good. The tears are just pouring this morning. And I thought, what on earth? And then when Phil was talking and talking about, for those of you who um, are at our other campuses, he was talking about how God is good even in our suffering and those things. And I got to tell you, I'm like ready to scrap the whole message. And I'm thinking, let's just do something else. But that would not be good. This would be a very long service. (laughs) So I'm getting it back together. I'm ready to go. I'm very excited. Um, So I love that video that was shown this morning about our perfect little children, um, because it does bring me back. My own children are, actually, they're all officially adults now. Um, Our youngest turned 18 this spring, but I... You know, it's not hard to remember back to those times of some of that chaos and crazy, and not that it still isn't, actually. You put them all in the house together, and it gets pretty chaotic and loud. Um, But regardless of that, when they were just, um, you know, a little bit underhand and underfoot and all those things, and I was thinking about, this is just one of my favorite mom stories, so as long as there's a mom working on Mother's Day. Oh, did you notice? Yeah, thank you, thank you. Anyway, I decided I'm going to go casual. I'm going to do the whole thing. It's going to be great. And then I cried, so I don't know. Um, but anyway, so I was thinking about one of my favorite mom stories is when uh, my, my firstborn, our twins, and when they were maybe five or six years old, I don't know for sure, but I was having one of those days where, you know, they're running around and just kind of being crazy and loud, and you're trying to, like, navigate life in whatever sense you can. And the two of them were playing Jesus. Um, so this is a real sign of a good Christian household when your kids play Jesus, Just kidding, moms. No guilt this morning. It is Mother's Day. But anyway, so they were playing Jesus, and they're chasing each other around. And and I'm just thinking, oh, my goodness, because they're they're yelling and whatever. And I see my two little girls come over into the kitchen. And I wish I could remember which one was which one at the time. This is the dilemma of twins. Sorry, Elizabeth. But anyway, so the one goes over, and she's putting her arms out like she's getting ready to put her up on the cross. And the one who was Jesus in this case has her arms out there. She goes, I want my mommy. (laughs) And I thought, oh, I bet he did want his mommy. (laughs) But I just loved in that moment, that sweetness of like that first response, knowing that that had to be such an awful, um, awful moment. But in the hearts of my children, they were like, oh, a mommy can always make it better. Um, So that is my hope that um, as we navigate through today, we know that Mother's Day brings all kinds of feels, all kinds of emotions, and um, we just hope that Jesus can really just make it all so much better and and that he might use a mom this morning to do some of that as well. Um, I really do want to thank Pastor Mark for the opportunity um, because as I said, I do have adult children now, so I'm in a very different stage of parenting, and one of the things that I've discovered about having adult children, um, and you know this if, well, I won't ask you how many of you have adult children, but I can um, guess that we're all at least adult children, adult children of parents, something? I don't know what I'm trying to say. Anyway, so my point is, if you have adult children, you know that you kind of 
go through this change in your season of, of parenting, and instead of having so many opportunities, or I should say taking the opportunities to always be putting your advice and your opinions in front of your children, you have to learn to wait to be invited to do that. And this has certainly been, I heard a little giggle, this has certainly been a challenge of adult children. <laughs> and my kids are so great, I have to just give them a ton of credit. But I really have had to learn this art of, of waiting to be asked and invited. Um, and, and there are certainly times, of course, when I offer and, and they're gracious about it, but I strive very hard not to do that. So when, when um, we started talking about a Mother's Day message, I thought, I am invited. <laughs> so yes, sign me up. I will do the extra work on a Mother's Day and I will take the opportunity to say a few things that as a mom, I just so wholeheartedly want everybody to know. Um, so I really am blessed. I really am thankful that Pastor Mark has given me the opportunity and it has been a lot of fun though to joke about making the moms work extra on Mother's Day. Um, so when I was thinking about this message, I started exploring some of the moms in the Bible because I just really wanted to, to find um, an example in the Bible that I could just hold on to as I was going through the message this morning. And I started thinking about some of my favorites. Of course, Mary, the mother of Jesus, comes to mind because if you're going to get a favorite... Who can't love Mary? Um, and Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, truly is one of my favorites. That's why my daughter Elizabeth has her name, because she is just a woman from whom um, I've just been touched in the scriptures. But here's the thing about Mary and Elizabeth. If you know anything about their stories, they are moms that, quite honestly, I'm just a little jealous of. Because in each of their situations, they were given kind of a heads up by the angels about like what their kids were being called to do, right? So I kind of feel like it's, it's kind of like a cheat. If you've been given the answers and you know what it is that your kid is, is going to do, what God has planned for them, um, then I feel like it just takes some of this unique challenge of, of parenting out of the equation. You know, like when we're trying to figure out what events we should have our kids do over summer, um, and you can sign them up for fishing, or you can sign them up for basketball camp. And I kind of feel like if an angel has told you that your son is going to teach people how to be fishers of men, well, it just makes the decision a whole lot easier. You're going to sign him up for fishing, right? Yeah. So anyway, so love Elizabeth, love Mary, but a little bit jealous that they got a little bit of a heads up about the direction in which they should be trying to lead their children because the rest of us have to do it blindly without angelic visits or special impartations of the Holy Spirit. Although... He is good to us. Um, but anyway, so I turned my attention to a little bit lesser known mom um, in the scriptures. And it's a woman who was not visited by any angels or had a special impartation of the Holy Spirit. She didn't receive any instructions as far as we know about the incredible plan that God had for her children. She was just a simple Jewish girl who married within her tribe and had to figure out how to take the best care of her kids in a time when there was no internet and no parenting books. Her name was Jacobed, and this is her story. It comes to us out of the book of Exodus. It starts in the last verse of chapter one. It says, then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Every Hebrew boy that is born, you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. Now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch, and then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. 
His sisters stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. And then Pharaoh's daughter went down the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. And when the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. Moses. If you're at all familiar with the Bible, you know that we hear a whole lot about Moses. I think he's one of the few characters, actually, that we get such a span of his life from childhood to his early adult years, to his middle adult years, to his late adult years, and and all kinds of things that he's doing. So clearly, we're not going to give that kind of attention to Moses this morning. But I think it's important to note that God had a really incredible plan for Moses. He became a very valuable leader to the people. And his mama, Jacobed, had no angelic visits no Holy Spirit, no books, and no internet. Just her, her husband, and the traditions of their people. But in Jacobed, I really do believe that we're going to see a pattern that applies to every mom ever. So we're going to look at that real quick. The first point that I wanted to, that I noticed when I was reading through this story of Jacobed is that it was a tough world in which to be a mom. You know, in that first verse that I read, you heard that Pharaoh had ordered that all of the the male babies were to be thrown into the Nile River. You see, before that, if you remember the story, he wasn't pleased with how numerous the Israelites were becoming. So he actually started to put them to work. He, they were slaves in Egypt, and they were working him. They were working them even harder. Um, and I found that interesting because I thought, how was that supposed to keep them from populating? Maybe. He thought they'd be too exhausted at the end of the day. I don't know. Um, But that did not work. Um, The babies kept coming. And so it was after that that he actually um, made a rule that the midwives of the Hebrew women, he had told them, if they have girl babies, you can let them live. But if they have boy babies, you need to kill them. And the midwives were unwilling to obey Pharaoh in that. And they went back, and when they reported to him, they had explained to him that the Hebrew women were just real robust in childbirth, and they were giving birth before they even got there. And, and so they saved um, hundreds and hundreds, I'm sure, of, of Hebrew baby boys. But the Pharaoh still wasn't content, so it was at that point that he said, well, if a woman gives birth to a girl, she can stay, but if it's a boy, then he just needs to be thrown into the Nile. It was a hard world. It was a tough space that Jacobed was in when she gave birth to her third child. You know, back then, of course, there were no ultrasounds. She had no idea what it was she was going to have. So you just had to wait. And when the baby was delivered, then they would figure out what they needed to do in their situations. Um, And when I was looking at this, I thought to myself, you know, although situations change, I would imagine that every mom ever has felt the apprehension of bringing a baby into the world in which she lives. You know, for those of us in this room, I would guess maybe somebody's been born in the 40s. So I started to look. In the 40s, um, there was segregation going on. So races could not mix at all. Race riots were becoming a big problem in the United States. And Japanese Americans were being highly discriminated against at that time because Japan had bombed 
Pearl Harbor. And then I went on to look at the 50s. In the 50s, it was post-World War II. Um, it was the dawn of the Cold War at that time, and the civil rights movement in the United States was starting to take, um, take some flight. In the 60s, that civil rights movement continued, but the Vietnam War came around and anti-war protests. There were political assassinations um, and the emerging generation gap which led us into the 70s. And again, even more anti-war protests, of course. Environmentalism became a big cause. The sexual revolution, crime and urban decay were also talked about in social circles. Um, feminism, civil rights. And then we come into the 80s, and I have to tell you, this is a little bit funny to me because I was literally Googling this, um, like challenges of the different generations, and it was real easy. Like they just would fly up with results. When I Googled it for the 80s, I had to literally scroll, 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 because it was just talking about what a great era it was, and the music, and the clothes, and Ronald Reagan, and all these things. So anyway, it was kind of funny to me, but I did. Uh, eventually, I kept scrolling, and they talked about the 80s was really the time of energy crisis and the AIDS epidemic just became a real prevalent issue in our world. In the 90s, it was pollution and immigration got added into the mix. By the 2000s, we all know the drill, right? Social media, terrorism, redefinition of the family, and the new math. <laughs> yeah. You know, and these are the spaces in which we've been bringing children into the world, in which your moms brought children into the world. And I have to think that they must have felt pretty uncertain about the world in which they were going to be bringing this young one, because it is a tough world in which to be a mom. So I just want you to know right off the bat, for those who've gone before us, all of our mamas, man, I celebrate them. I celebrate all of you in the room who are in the journey of motherhood right now, whether your kids are old or young or still with you or not. Not because we've been doing it perfectly, but because you chose to stay in it. You fought against the fear, you looked at the world around you and you knew that God was calling you to something else and you embraced the challenge anyway. So I celebrate you. But even so, Jacobed chose us. So it was a hard world, it was a tough place to be a mom. Um, but she does teach us that even in the middle of those hard spaces, within motherhood, there's always a time for treasuring. So if you remember, Jacobed said that she saw that her baby was fine. I think that's an interesting word choice. Different translations will say that the baby was beautiful or special or good. And then it tells us that she hid him away for three months. Now, I don't know exactly why it became more dangerous by the end of these three months when things needed to change. Maybe it was because Jacobed had withdrawn herself long enough from her work in her community and that was going to become noted. Perhaps the search for the Hebrew boys was getting a little bit more intense at that time. We don't know why, but we do know that for those three months that mama kept that time with her baby a secret. It became a personal treasure to them. And it reminds me that within motherhood, there is always a time for treasuring. You know, before I became a mom, I was really not a baby person. And I might have actually told this story here once before, but um, when we went to my in-laws to let them know that I was pregnant and we, you know, we gave them the good news and they were very excited about it, but just after the enthusiasm died off, my mother-in-law looked at me and she said, I just never thought you'd have a baby. And I was like, what? <laughs> 
And now I understand where it comes from. It just comes from that place of the fact that I just wasn't a baby person. So it's true, she never really saw me like ooing and eyeing over the babies. Um, but I can remember when my firstborn were at home and we had them in these little side-by-side bassinets in our living room. And I can remember standing over their bassinet and just looking and noticing, oh, it's been five minutes. Oh, 10 minutes. And I kid you not, for 20 minutes, I would just stand there and I would just be in awe of who they were, treasuring the fact that God had given me these precious little girls. You know, and it was in that moment that actually the Lord spoke something to my heart because um, I could tell you lots of great things about my mom, but so I'm, it's unfortunate to tell you one thing that doesn't sound as great first, but she really was not a nurturer. Um, and I remember standing there over my, my little girls and just in awe and treasuring that moment. And it was like the Lord spoke to my heart in that moment to say, your mom would have looked at you like this too, Becky. And I just feel like there's probably somebody in the room today who needs to know that because this is what moms do. They find that place to treasure. So I hope you all know that you are treasured people. There has been a mama, there have been people who've looked over you, over your faces with just such awe because you're there and because of the potential that you hold. And it really is a gift to realize that we have, um, we have those moments too. So the third lesson that I learned from Jacobed then is that after this time of treasure, we know that she lived in, in a tough time to be a mom, but she found a time to treasure but then there is a time for protecting. And this, of course, is the job of most of us parents when we start out anyway on the journey of parenthood. Because there came a time when Jacobed, Jacobed, sorry, I keep wanting to say the J because it's spelled with a J. Anyway, when she could hide Moses no longer. Now, if he didn't get a proper understanding of this one, I'm pretty sure he could have ended up in therapy over it. Um, Because it truly was out of protection for her boy that she took her baby and she put him in a grass boat, in essence, and she set him into the Nile River. Now, the commentaries say a lot about this, um, which is why I can say with with quite confidence that this was an act of protection on the part of Jacobed, Um, because contrary to what some of the movies might portray, if you watch movies about Moses, it is quite likely that Jacobed knew that the Pharaoh's daughter would be coming down into the river to bathe at the time that she did. It is also quite likely that she encouraged her daughter to stay within an eye shot just in case things didn't go quite right. Now, I'm not sure if she actually asked her daughter to, to talk with the, with the daughter of Pharaoh regarding the ability to nurse the baby, but we know that she did, and we know that that gave her another two to three years to care for and nurture her son without any concern for his life being in jeopardy. So I imagine if Moses would have heard this story strictly from his Egyptian mother's perspective about finding him in the river, um, he would have assumed that he was abandoned or neglected in that boat. I think of how often we would be helped by knowing a full story, but how seldom we get it. But I can tell you that as a mom, this area of protection is certainly one that I have failed in, in both directions. There are times when, um, when I should have been more protective for my kids, but I wasn't. And there are certainly times when I should have let go a little bit more, and I didn't. And I have no doubt that most of us in the room could identify with that struggle as well, um, either in our own parenting or, quite honestly, in being parented as well. 
So it's a great time to mention the importance of grace and forgiveness. Hebrews 4.16 says this. It says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Now, if you don't know what some of those words are, mercy and grace, they're just so important to this, this journey, I feel like, when we talk about parenting and, um, and, and being parented as well. Now, mercy, if you don't know, is not getting something bad that you deserve, okay? Now, on the flip side, grace is getting something good that you don't deserve. So for example, mercy is where you maybe really deserved a punishment and you don't get it. Somebody shows you mercy, even though you really did deserve it. And then grace might be when somebody um, offers you forgiveness, even though you really don't deserve it because what you did was, was not great. So it's something good that they give to you. And it is so important in this journey that we realize the importance of both God's mercy and his grace and that we are willing to extend that to other people. So I love the verse and I love the reminder that those things are there to help us in our times of need. And then Colossians 3.13 says this, it says, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. I have to tell you that some of my most humbling moments as a mom have come when I've had to seek the forgiveness of my children. Um, But it's in those times and places that God continues to show me who he is and the power of his grace through them as well. So I just wanna encourage you, if you are here and that's, that's part of your journey as you look at how maybe you've been parented or maybe how you have parented, to be willing to reach out and, and touch on God's grace, his forgiveness and his mercy. Now the last step that I, that I take from Jacobet, and again, this is probably the most, the most assumed one, and we know that it is what every child eventually starts to wrestle for and yearn for. It is that there is a time to let go. So again, the times made this season come much earlier for Jacobed um, because she, of course, had to um, turn Moses over to his Egyptian mother at the age of maybe three or four. Um, so we know that, of course, there was another mom who picked up in her stead after that time. But imagine the strength that it had to take to hand over that boy. Imagine the disappointment over not seeing herself and her baby boy's future. And imagine the incredible trust that it had to take in the Lord to carry through with that act. I would imagine Jacobet had to play out many different scenarios in her head about how she could try to change what her reality was. But she moved forward with the strength and courage and trust in her Lord. Letting go is part of the pattern of mothering And it's so hard. So I'm sure there's some of us here who are holding on tighter than maybe we should be at this stage in our children's lives. And there are some that are maybe being held on to a little too strongly as well. But it takes wisdom to know when and how much. But the Bible says that we can ask for wisdom and God will give it to us generously because he loves to give us good gifts. So while that's the extent of what we actually get to hear about Jacobed, In the scripture, it is not the last that we hear about her son, of course. Moses goes on to make some really big mistakes. And he gets scared. And he runs away. And he eventually starts a family. And he gets called by God. And he tries really, really hard to get God to pick somebody else. 
And then eventually he becomes one of the greatest leaders of the Jewish nation. So God managed to have his way with this Hebrew man who spent four years under a Hebrew mama and then was raised by an Egyptian mama in the interim. You know, I'm reminded it really is a tough world in which to be a mom. And even so, there is always time for treasuring, but there is time for protecting. And the ultimate goal is to let go and trust that God will have his way. So the Bible is silent about Jochebed after this point, but the Jewish tradition is not. So Jewish tradition actually says that she and Moses were likely reunited sometime after he left Egypt and that she was part of his life um, through his years of leading God's people, which means she also experienced the journey of needing to parent after letting go, which brings me right back to where I started this morning, right? Parents of adult children. After we've reached that point of needing to let go, it's the season when your thoughts and your opinions need to be asked for more than offered. And I believe that Jacobed was invited to share a great deal with Moses in those years. And here's why I believe that. Um, so Moses is generally understood to be the author of the first five books of the Bible, books that describe a history which took place before his own life. It was very dependent on oral tradition for a lot of that time. And although I have no doubt there were many influences besides Jacobed, I would imagine that he gave his mother voice into that as well, into the story of what had happened. So you see, Moses was the, the product of his mama's imperfect parenting, and you and I are the product as well of ours. And our children, they get that legacy too. But before we close up today, I feel the need to take advantage of my invitation to make one thing very, very clear. While I do believe in the significance of motherhood, the process of treasuring and protecting and letting go makes a huge difference in this very tough world of how we do that and how we navigate it. But here's something that matters more. It is what the Father has to say about you. And I mean, of course, the Heavenly Father. Um, if, I think you've probably heard Pastor Mark joke in the past about when he was growing up and things would get tough, his mom would say, you can do that, you can do anything, you're a gunger. Um, well, my mother-in-law actually has the same stance. She will always tell our kids that, you can do that, you're a showmer. And then she always likes to add the tagline, and if you don't like it, go home. I don't know why, but that's just her, her favorite little tagline that she adds on to that. But the truth of the matter is, you know, when we start to think about that, we're like, well, and it's great to have family ties and all that, but Pastor Mark has certainly made the point in the past that, well, it doesn't really mean anything that he's a gunger, we're a showmer, you're a Johnson, whatever the case that your last name is. But what does matter is who God says that you are. And Moses recorded it for us in the book of Genesis. So I want to read that to you real quick. In Genesis 1, 26 and 27, it says this. So God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. You see, our worth as people is connected to our creator. So if God is of great, great worth, then what does that say about us? 
If we are truly made in his image, we are people of tremendous value as well. We are his image bearers. Now, it's easy to use God's word, but it's much more difficult to grasp the reality um, that they signify. And this is extremely true with the idea of the image of God, because most don't quite grasp the profound significance of it. But the image is a foundational concept for us understanding our significance and purpose. Understanding how we are made in God's image helps us to see the basis for the dignity and purpose of our own life and work. Now again, we are not a perfect representation. We are meant to reflect his image to the world around us. I like to think of it as a mirror. So you know, if I, if I held up a mirror in front of me right now, you would see, well, this side of the room anyway, would see my reflection in the mirror, but that's not really me. I am still just the physical person who's standing here. But that's really what God intended for us. Part of our purpose is to reflect his image to the world. Not that we can be God, but that we can at least come into a closer representation of him. But you see, here's the thing. The enemy, Satan, he loves to give us a warped mirror. And he loves to play with with our identity, who we believe ourselves to be. And he also wants to mess with our lives that we don't always reflect well um, the truth of God's word and who we are. But here's the thing. Satan's suggestions, those whispers, those lies that he tells you, they cannot stand up against God's own word. Ephesians 5.13 says, all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. So every suggestion and opportunity that the enemy puts before us is exposed but only when we have the light, which is God's word. So as we close today, and I'm going to invite our musicians to come back, I want to take a moment and tell you something about you. No matter how old you are or how young you are, whether your mama is still calling you every day or you needed to hear a motherly echo today because your mother is maybe not with you anymore, I believe wholeheartedly that it would be the mama's heart to speak to you the Father's words. And these are the things that he has to say about you. He tells you, you are not an accident. He knew you before you were in your mother's womb. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God has a calling on your life, a plan and a purpose. And the work that he has started in you, he will see it to completion. You were made in his image and you are meant to reflect his glory in this world. You are a child of God. The Holy Spirit lives in you. You have access to God's wisdom. You are not condemned. You have Christ's righteousness. You are completely forgiven. You are tenderly loved by God. And you are the sweet fragrance of Christ to God. You are blameless and beyond reproach. You are a branch on Christ's vine. You are Christ's friend. You are chosen by Christ to bear fruit and you are joint heir with Christ, sharing his inheritance with him. You are united to the Lord, one spirit with him. You are a saint. You are chosen by God. You share in God's heavenly calling. 
You are born of God and the evil one cannot touch you. You have the mind of Christ. You may approach God with boldness, freedom, and confidence. You have been rescued from Satan's domain and transferred into the kingdom of Christ. You have been made complete in Christ. You have been given a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. You have been given great and precious promises by God, and your needs are met by him. You have been adopted as God's child, and you have direct access to God through the Holy Spirit. You are assured that all things are working together for your good, and you cannot be separated from the love of God. So you can be confident that the good work that God has begun in you will be perfected because you are God's workmanship. There are no ordinary people, my friends. You have never met a mere mortal because each and every one of us are image bearers of the God who created us. And that makes us a standout in this world or any world, no matter how tough it looks. So as we close today, I'm just gonna pray that God will seal those words over your heart. I want you to know that they all come directly out of the Bible. So I encourage you, if you are not in that habit, you gotta get in a habit. You gotta make sure that you're putting God's word in so that the enemy can't speak those lies to you because you are precious, you are whole. These are the things that your mama wanted you to know all along, but somewhere in the course of our difficult, messed up lives, we maybe didn't always communicate it the best but it's never too late to embrace these truths. And it is my hope that on this Mother's Day, you will choose to embrace them well. You know, we're gonna get ready for our time of communion. And the Bible tells us that we should examine ourselves before we do that. So we love to just take a moment during the service where we pause and we reflect and we think about the message and whatever it is that God might be pulling on your heart about. So at this time, I'm going to ask you all just to bow your heads with me and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to reflect your image to the watching world. Lord, I pray that you would help each one of us to continue to turn our face towards you to believe the words that you've spoken, to cling to them, Lord, as though they are our true lifeblood. So Lord, before we partake of our bread in the cup this morning, we do pause to examine ourselves. Excuse me. God, if we've sinned against you in thought, word, or deed, by what we've done, or maybe by what we've left undone, if we've not loved you with our whole heart, if we've not loved our neighbors as ourselves, for the sake of your son Jesus, who gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins, have mercy on us. Forgive us of all of our sins and strengthen us in all goodness. And by the power of your Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. And now, Lord, as our heads are still bowed, If you are here this morning and you've never sensed God's spoken word speaking directly to your heart, but you're sensing it, if maybe you haven't taken the step of asking Jesus to be the Lord of your life, 
but you're starting to discover a hunger for it, I would just encourage you in this moment to just ask him to come in to be the Lord of your life, to forgive you for those things that have separated you from him and trust that he will make all these things to be true for you.